Let's jump into our study. We're in 1 Corinthians. I better get to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, we've been going through this letter here. We're in chapter 12 today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And to get us started, we're going to do a little, little Chronicle of Narnia stop. How many of you have read the Chronicles of Narnia? Love them. Some of them, there's even, uh, they did some radio theater ones. Have you heard the radio theater folks on the family? So you can listen to like dramatic readings. They're really cool. We did it on a road trip this summer when we drove to my sister's in Illinois. And we got through almost all of them. But one of them, basically, if you don't know the Chronicles of Narnia, they're basically these adventures of this, these children from England by various ways of magic go into other worlds. And so these parallel worlds and there's different things happening and, and they have a Christ figure, this lion that's directing them. And so one of them is called the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And the kids come into Narnia, this other world, and they go on a seafaring adventure. And they're going with King Caspian and they're going out further and further to these islands and they're looking for some of these lost lords who were banned. And that's a whole other story, we won't get into that. But they're going further and further into these islands and they find more unique things. And they come to this one island and they land there, these children, and they hear people coming. And they're afraid because they think people are coming to attack them. And they can hear voices and they hear this loud thumping sound. And they, hear, and they can't figure out what it is. And they hear the voices. And what it is, I'll give a little part away. I won't give it all away. These, these people come up and they're called the Duffelpuds. And they have one leg and one foot. And so the only way they get around are these giant hops. They hop with their one leg and their one foot. So you can hear them. Foomp, foomp, foomp. And the reason the kids can't see them is because they accidentally made themselves invisible by a spell and then they're trying to get it off that's that's all part of the book but the whole point is is the way they move and the way they also sleep on their backs with their foot in the air so it either blocks the sun or protects them from the rain and they look like mushrooms when they look out in the field they think they're giant mushrooms but uh, these duffel pods hop around on one leg and one foot can you imagine if that was your way of moving I mean, talk about joint problems, right? You know, something like, whew, I already got a little loss of cartilage, and now I'm jumping around. It'd be, it'd be brutal, right? It'd be a horrible way to move around and a horrible way to function. And it turns out a wizard did it to teach him some humility, but that's, again, another story. But um, I was just thinking about that. How hard would it be to just have one leg and one foot? Or how hard would it be if suddenly you didn't have your arms? When they just all of a sudden think of all the life that would be very challenged, or if you lost just a thumb, right? Turning pages like this. And so what, what we're going to look at here in 1 Corinthians 12, we look at, and this imagery comes in of a body. And it talks about how important every part of your physical body is. And a lot of times we don't think about that until a part doesn't work or is injured or has a problem with it, and so then you're favoring it, or you need medical attention on it. We go, boy, I never knew that was so important until it didn't work right, until it was missing, until there's a problem with it. And so we're going to see just how important a full functioning body is, and not necessarily your physical body, but this 
full body of believers, how important each one of us are and how odd and how things would be missing if we only had a leg and a foot and you had to hop around like a duffel pod. And one of the backgrounds of this church in in Corinth is that it's not only that they were missing things or that they all wanted certain things. They had a priority problem and that they thought certain giftings and certain roles in the church were really more important than others. And they all wanted the same thing. And so it would be like having one leg. Like, well, we can't all be a leg. We can't all just be an arm. We need both of them. We need both eyes and we need both ears and both hands. But this church, for some reason, the people in it were all wanting the same gifting. And we'll see what it is here in the next, this week and the next few weeks. And so there's this desire. We want that. That looks better. That looks more important. We should all have this. And Paul's writing this letter to go, you know what? We actually need all of the gifts and we need all of the people. Otherwise, it's like life like a duffel pod hopping around on one foot and one leg. So here's our point today. Every spiritual gift and every believer are from God for our good. So I've talked a lot today about the collective whole, the collective whole in our worship, and the collective whole in being together, because it's all from God. All of our spiritual gifting, every spiritual gift, and every believer are from God for our good, communal good. That's our point today. So let's, let's look in. I want to read the whole section together, hear God's word read aloud, sometimes just the reading of God's word. It's amazing what comes, comes to your mind and how the Spirit applies it. So let's read verses. We're going to get through 1 through 26 today, and I want to read it first. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 26. It says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, That would not make it any less a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Or where, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So we'll stop there for today. It's a lot to cover. Uh, First, let's just take a look at the situation happening here in uh, Corinth. What's going on here? I talked a little bit about this sort of an over-desiring to have the same gift or certain gifts. But what we first realize is they're, they're coming from a Greek, Roman, uh, sort of pagan environment with temples and gods and deities everywhere. So he's bringing them from that world into the, to the understanding of God and how does his spirit work. So right there in verse 1, he says, Now concerning our spiritual gifts, it's really just spiritual. The gifts word is, is an add-in, but it just means concerning the spiritual things. Concerning all things spiritual. They had an interest in this. This was exciting to them. So concerning spiritual, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to not know how it works. And the way they thought it was working had some real problems. So he's saying, I want, just get this on the table. This is how it works. And this gives us a sense in verse 2 of the background they're coming out of. He says, you know when you were, you were pagans or when you were just living like a Gentile, living in the world they're from, living in this, this Greek world, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. We've seen this in the other chapters. They had all this discussions earlier of food sacrifice to idols and do we eat it or do we not eat it? But at one point in there, Paul told us, we know this idol, this piece of wood, this gold statue, we know that's nothing. But he also says we know that demons, spiritual beings, use them, are behind them, are enforcing them, are drawing people into worshiping them. So in one sense, like we know they're nothing. We know they're mute. We know that piece of wood doesn't talk to you. But on the other hand, we know there's spiritual forces at work. That's why he says, you know you were led astray however you were led. Whatever was drawing you, whether it was a need within you or a seeking of something. And, and, and what, we, what we see here, they, they were drawn to it for some reason. However it was, he's like, not going to get into all that. Something drew you to these idols. Something was drawing you, whether a lot of them was seeking a fortune, seeking a blessing, Seeking an enablement of something, you know, you go to this goddess and you go to this temple to get this thing or to find love or to have your business work. Or, so you were seeking something. He's saying you were seeking these spiritual powers from these multiple ways. And he's going to say, but now it's different. Now it's different. Verse 3 says, so I want you to understand, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. So if the Spirit of God is in you, you don't curse Christ. 
Because we know when you're given the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to testify of Christ. The Holy Spirit only points to Christ. The Spirit is sent from the Father and the Son. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't curse Jesus. You would never say that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you might say something like that. You might not know who Jesus is. So no one who is filled with the Spirit of God ever says that. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. This is the idea that before you respond to Jesus, before there's ever any understanding of needing to confess sin, of needing to have a Savior, the Holy Spirit's already at work in you. He's already drawing you. He's already convicting you of of sin. He's already saying you need help. He's already at work. And so by the time you come to a place that say, Jesus is Lord, I confess you as Lord, it's the Holy Spirit that's been doing it. And so Paul, he's kind of drawing us into a single Holy Spirit. When we understand God is one in three parts, we're going to see it here in a minute, and the Holy Spirit points you to Christ, it points you to God the Father, and so he's saying this is different than your previous life in in their world where there was this deity and this deity and go to this temple for that power and this temple for this thing, and you're seeking in all these places and saying, no, I'm going to point you to one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, sent from the Father and the Son. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, you can believe and you say Jesus is Lord. So he's pointing this church down to one spirit, getting them away from this idea of sort of getting this, 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 this. You're going to see that as it unfolds. So here's what I want us to see. I said every spiritual gift and every believer is from God. Let's focus in on the every spiritual gift part. Every spiritual gift is from God for our good. I want to focus in on that part first. And then this specifically in verses 4 to 6, Paul's really narrowing them down to not multiple gods and multiple spirits, to God. And what he's going to show us in verses 4 to 6, that the variety of gifts are from the Trinity, are from the triune God. He's really narrowing our focus to where does gifts come from? What do we focus on? It comes from God. You're going to see him lay out the Trinity while pointing to God's empowering of the church. So look at it. I'll show you here in verse 4. There's a variety of gifts. A variety, lots of them. The word gifts there is where we get our word like charismatic. It means a gracious gift. It's a gift, a specifically a spiritual gift. It's a charisma, a gracious gift from God. So there's a variety of these, but they're from the same Spirit. Okay, there's lots of spiritual gifts, these gracious gifts, but it's from the same Spirit. There are varieties of service. This is where we get our word deacon. It means a servant or it can mean ministries. There's a variety of ministries. We've already talked about them today, right? We've got this, we've got a prayer thing going here. We've got a women's banquet here. We're going to decorate the church here. We're going to go serve down there, right? There's a variety of ministries. There's a variety of ways to serve, but the same Lord. Lord would be pointing to Jesus, the Lord, Christ, the Lord. So we've got the Spirit. We've got the Lord. We've got Christ right here. Look at verse 6. And there are a variety of activities. This might be, this is the word for like good deeds or works. There's a variety of deeds that you can do. There's a variety of good things you can do. But it is the same God that empowers them all and everyone. So I think Paul's pointing very, very specifically not to deities, temples, spiritual powers. He's saying there's all kinds of spiritual gifts. There's all kinds of ways to minister. There's all kinds of good deeds. And they all come from God, the Father, 
They come through Jesus the Lord. They come through the Holy Spirit. They come from the triune God. Now, lots of gods and lots of lots of places and lots of temples. He's pointing them. There's lots of gifts. There's lots of ministries we do. There's lots of good works we do, but they come from the same source. God the Father. Jesus Christ the Lord. The Holy Spirit. So he's really pointing them to one source. He's, he's changing it from what they've known. And verse 7, he really gets to the point. Well, what is with all these gifts? And what are, what's the point of these? And why does God enable them? And what are they for? Verse 7 is a key verse there. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's about the group. It's really important, and you're going to see that they, I think, in these next chapters, had a longing of wanting the Spirit of God to move and empower them in certain ways, maybe for a selfish gain, maybe for recognition, maybe for some personal thing. It's like, nope. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for the good of the whole. It's the good of everyone. Manifestation is like for something to be opened, Something that wasn't visible to be visible. Something that you couldn't tell and now you can. So here he doesn't use the word gifts. He used the manifestation of the Spirit. The idea that the Spirit of God is visibly moving among you. You can see it in certain ways. It's a manifestation. It's showing. It's a visible work of the Spirit for the common good. And so it's not about my gift, my thing that I'm doing. It's about God's Spirit is showing that he's working for the good of all. Is it helpful for you to know that God is working among us? Is it helpful for you to know if you've had a a rough week, a difficult stretch, you're not sure God's doing anything in your life and you're concerned and frustrated, and then you come alongside another believer and something's happening in their life and you see God moving and it encourages you. You're like, okay, God still is doing something. He still is working, and the way I see what you're doing, this other believer, the way they're using their gift, has communicated to me that the Spirit of God is real. When we're worshiping together in this room, there's something powerful. Like, yes, their faith and their worship is encouraging me that something's real. I sense this a lot at our uh, Tuesday night. We have a prayer and worship time we do, 7 o'clock. And sometimes we'll have people share, and they'll say, oh yeah, this happened and God answered that prayer. And like, oh, the Spirit was manifest. It was visible that he answered that prayer. And you're like, yes, that encourages me. Or, or you hear someone else pray, and they'll pray an urgent prayer for healing or something. You're like, oh, I, wanna, I want to know that God's healing people today. And their prayer for that encourages you. It encourages you. There's something about when the Holy Spirit moves among a group of people. It's not just so that one person is a hero. It's not just so that one person can get a TV ministry and you send them money, right? No, that's for their good, right? That's not because I'm on YouTube. This is not TV, okay? Uh, But it's the idea. If the Spirit of God's going to move among a group of people, it won't be so that one benefits at the, and everybody else does it. It will be so that we all benefit. We'll all say, yet God's really among us. God really worked and changed that person's heart. That's why I think we love testimonies. That's why we love baptisms. Like, yeah, God revealed himself, and then I repented, and I got baptized, and we're going, yeah, I remember when you did that in my life. And it encourages, and it builds us up. We're going, the Spirit of God really is still moving. 
when the Spirit of God sends somebody, you know, that's why I think we love missions, and we hear somebody say, God told me to go to this other place, and I'm going to do it. We're like, yeah, God is showing himself among us. It's for our, all of our good. And that's what we need to hold in mind when we look at these various spiritual gifts that are given, they're given, the Spirit opens, the Spirit shows them, the Spirit manifests. He makes something visible, not for the sake of one person, but for all of our good to know God is still moving among us, God is still doing things in our midst, and it's for all of our benefit, not for the benefit of one or a few. So here we go. Every spiritual gift is from God for our good. It's from God, from the triune God, for the good of all. Now we're going to look at these. He gives a list of some of them. Starting in verse 8, we see this list of spiritual gifts. So he says, For to one is given through the Spirit. You notice this repeats over and over. They all come from the Spirit. The utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So we have wisdom and knowledge. One of the spiritual gifts, the gracious gifts, one of the manifestations where the Spirit says, I'm going to show you that I'm among you, is the ability to speak wisdom and knowledge. I think wisdom is sort of like knowledge in action or skill. A lot of times you can even translate to really know how to do something. Knowledge is to know God or to know how it works. Uh, this was explained a little bit earlier in this letter. In the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he talked about, I came to you, and he turned to chapter 2, he said, I came to you and I didn't come with lofty speech, I didn't come in here with this fancy way of talking, I just came in here with the simply explaining the gospel that Jesus died for your sins. But then if you look in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, he says, but... There is some wisdom. If you look in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, he's saying, I can present the gospel simply, but there is more to it. In verse 6, he says, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. He says, none of the rulers of this age understood this. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Like, they didn't understand God's plan, or they wouldn't have, wouldn't have went through with it. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So that's just a great explanation that there are times, there are people among us that have this idea that they have wisdom and knowledge. It's not what you learn in a textbook necessarily, unless the textbook's the Bible. Um, it's not how our, the world system might be run. It's that God's saying, this is what I'm really about. Did you catch that? The Spirit interprets the deep things. The Spirit can take the things of God, make it known to people, and maybe not every person, but some people, he says, I'm going to give you this wisdom, or I'm going to give you this knowledge to benefit somebody. 
There's just times when there's certain people, you'll come around them and you'll have an issue or something you're wondering about, and they'll say, oh, look in this verse, and then they'll tell you the verse, and then they'll just, boom, and it's this, and it's, a, it's a, like, yes, that's what I needed to hear. I, didn't, I couldn't figure this thing out. And they're just like, yeah, boom, because it's from the Spirit of God through the Word of God, and it's applied perfectly to your life. It doesn't just mean the person preaching. Right? It can be people that have wisdom. They really know this is the answer for this. This is the thing you're running up against at your workplace, and this is the scripture you need to hang on to. You're like, yes, thank you. Or they have a knowledge, they're like, this is what God's like, and they tell it to you, and you're like, oh, I needed to hear that. I needed to know that he did this thing, whatever it is. So there's people among us who the Spirit of God can enable, maybe not every day, but maybe there's moments and times when he reveals himself through wisdom and knowledge, and they can give it to you or give it to a group, And you go, oh, man, I needed that. That's exactly it. I didn't understand how that works, and now I do. That's a gift of the Spirit of God. When he's able to speak to us, interpret things to us, make his word plain, make knowing him plain, making known what the decision is, that's a gift of the Spirit. Wisdom and knowledge. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And you think, well, don't don't we all have faith? Some, there are times when there's spiritual gifts of faith. They just, that someone is just believing, and you're like, I can't even believe they're believing that strongly. And they just have a spiritual gift. I remember we had friends for a season years ago, they felt like God was telling them to only live by faith. And they had a big list in their house, and they'd write down needs. It was simple things. We need haircuts. We need new tires. And then they would just mark them off when God supplied them. And you just be like, wow. And you think, I don't know if I could do that. And sometimes they have faith <laughs> for 10 people, right? They just have a spiritual gift that believe God is going to do something. God is going to move in some way. God is going to provide more than you think. And they'll pray it to you or over you. And say, I think God's going to do this thing. And I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm going to pray it and I'm going to believe it. And you're like, I don't even know if I believe in that. But I, the spirits, I'm believing for you. There's, there's just times when there is a gift of faith and it's for the good of the body. There's, we probably have a few people here praying for things that we don't even know about for the good of our body. So to another, now here's where the list starts to make some of us a little squirrely. To another, the gifts of healing by one spirit. And to another, the working of miracles. Like, ooh, we'll talk about that part in a little bit. But did this, does this happen? Healings? Miracles? The word for miracles is mighty acts or powerful things. I think it does. I don't know that somebody walks around and is like, you, you know, I know they're walking through the hospital, you know, new kidney for you, new heart for you. Like, I, don't, that, I don't think that's going on. But I mean, just even a few weeks ago, we were praying for this person. They were having a struggle. I checked back in with her. I'm like, oh yeah, that's gone. Like, it's gone? Like, yeah, I think God took care of that. He still does healing. He still does miracles. He still does things and I think we need to just, it's a gift for the common good. Again, not to show off to somebody, but if it's the Spirit of God, He can do healings. He can heal people. He can change people. He can do a miracle. Some of you in this room are miracles. Did you know that? How many of you are one of those people in this room and you go, there's no way I was going to believe in Jesus? Anybody say that? <laughs> You're an absolute miracle? All right, Esteban put the hand up. I love it. He says, all that, you shouldn't even be alive, right? It's a miracle. God changed him. God saved him. 
Appreciate you being open like that. All right, to another prophecy. Prophecy can simply be inspired speech. A lot of times we go for prophecy, we immediately go to somebody telling something in the future. It's not always in the future. It's inspired speech. Sometimes someone's prophetic in your life when they say a truth from God that's perfect in the moment. You're like, oh, I needed to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. A lot of times it has a challenge to it. A lot of times prophecy is stepping into something and just really challenging someone or saying, you need to think this through. Sometimes prophecy challenges the beliefs of the day. But a lot of times it's just speaking the word of God in the moment or inspired by the Spirit. And they can just speak something into your life. It's not always telling the future. A lot of times it's just truth-telling. This is the truth right now. And there's times God gives people to speak into our life. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. What's this about? If you look, I'll jump over there quickly. If you look in 1 John, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the spirit doesn't mean that there's some like Halloween creature outside your window. The spirits that you're testing could be that someone's communicating something to you that is not from God. It could be another belief system. It could be twisting something. And there's people given and the spirit's speaking. They say, you need to watch out for that. You need to watch out for that person. You need to watch out for that system. You need to be careful how close you get to that thing because they can test. Like, that's not from God. That's not going to move you towards Jesus. So there's times when there's people that really have a sensitivity. They're like, something's wrong here. Something's not right about this situation. Something's not right about this circumstance. That can be testing the spirits. And this is to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, we're going to really get into that in chapter 14. goes a whole lot more into that, so I'm not going to go too far down that road. But the whole idea of tongues in the Bible, there's two things happening. Sometimes when the Bible says the gifts of tongues, it's actually meaning speaking another language. You see that in Acts 2. The apostles are speaking these languages that they don't know what they are, but they're actual languages because the people there are like, hey, they're speaking my language. So there's times when that's when it is. Then there's other times speaking in tongues is talking about a heavenly language where the speaker doesn't even know what they're saying. It's not a language that you know or I know or somebody knows. It's, and, and you'll see both of those in Scripture. And, and so we're going to get a lot on that in chapter 14. But So I don't want to go too far down that road other to say that it can happen. I've, I've only actually been around at one time. And I was in a church service and people were sharing things God was doing and somebody said something i was like i didn't hear what that guy said i couldn't hear him and then the pastor says we need an interpretation for that and some other guy stood up and said oh it's this and i don't remember what the this was and i was like oh that just happened i just watched it and we'll see when we get to chapter 14 they actually did it right so i'll just leave that one alone for now the idea of tongues is it enabling people to speak like all of a sudden you can speak german tomorrow or Is it a heavenly language? And there's places in Scripture where it's kind of both, and we'll work on that in chapter 14. But other to say, it's for the common good, right? If the Lord has a message for the body, it needs to be interpreted so people can understand the message. All right, I ran through those fast, but the point of all that is that every spiritual gift is from God for our good. 
that God's going to do. He's going to open things up. He's going to manifest that he's working in people with these. And I don't even think that's an exhaustive list. But I think Paul's just saying, look, these things happen in the church. Don't seek them for your own power. It's not like Greek temples where you're going to get this, this, this. The Spirit of God's going to manifest himself or show himself to help the body. Whether it's people need wisdom, people need faith, people have healing that needs done, people need to have something changed in their life, people need to be warned, hey, whatever you're in isn't good. It's for the good of the body, not the good of the person. It's for the good of the body. And so the problem that Paul was dealing with is that they focused on one too much. They they all, for some reason, really got fired up about speaking in tongues. So we're going to pick that up in chapter 14. They're like, we all want that. And so that was their problem. Paul's like, no, no, we need all of them. And it's not for your good and your glory. I think a lot of times in in, uh, our family of churches, we we aren't focused enough. There's a lot of stuff about how, well, God doesn't do this anymore. And those gifts aren't active anymore, and we shouldn't even think about that. And I think sometimes in our family of churches, we're almost afraid of the Holy Spirit. I think they were like way too fired up, and we can be way too afraid. And, um, and I don't think we need to be afraid. I think we need to look at what verse, verse 11 to me is very important in this conversation. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So I don't think we have to be afraid of the spiritual gifts. I don't think we need to make statements like they don't exist anymore because the Holy Spirit gets to decide when and how and to whom he will give a gift. And they're gracious gifts. So I don't think we have to worry about them. I don't think we have to be afraid of them, but we also don't want to like freak out and all... You know, want to have the same one because it's not about you. It's about the common good. So I think we can rest in the fact when the Holy Spirit looks on us, he can see, he goes, what do the people of Northwest need right now? And I can gift any believer in this room for what they need. And it could be in smaller gatherings or bigger gatherings because it's, remember, the Spirit showing himself. He's manifesting. So it could be at this time the Holy Spirit's going, I need some people of faith because we're in a weird time in our world. And it could be other times when there's, Maybe we need a lot of prayer for healing because we've got a lot of sick people. Or He sees, and he sees the whole world because you'll read in other places like, well, why is this going over in India and all these people got healed over there and we don't see it over here? The Holy Spirit knows that something needs to happen there and he can do that. And the Holy Spirit knows in Bellingham he's going to do this. And the Holy Spirit knows, you know, in Canada he's going to do this other thing. It's up to the Holy Spirit, right? He apportions as he will, as he sees fit, for the good of his church, so we don't have to be afraid of it. We don't need to be over-focused or under-focused. We just need to say, Holy Spirit, if you want to gift me, if you want to do something in my life, do it so that I can bless the good. If we're doing it for our own needs or our own values or our own fame, he's not going to do that at all. The only reason he gives these gifts is to show these working among us and to benefit the church as he sees fit. It's up to him. So that's why every gift, every spiritual gift is from God for our good. Every spiritual gift is from God for our good. So that's the first section, spiritual gifting. The second section is that every believer is from God for our good. You know, it's not just spiritual gifts that are for the good of the body. It's all of us. It's all the people as well. That's the second part of this letter. 
See that in verse 12, he's going to intentionally promote diversity. You see that in verse, look at verse 12. For just as the body, now he's going to use the metaphor of your physical body. Just as the body is one and has many members. You can read many body parts. That's what that word members mean. Many body parts. And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. Right? So just like you've got hands and you've got a spleen and you've got toenails and you've got hair and you've got a heart. It's crazy how many body parts there are. But you're still one. You're still one person. You see, that's how it is with Christ. That's how it is with Christ. He is one, but many parts. Verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. So he's saying there's this deep unity in Christ. We've seen this through this whole passage. There's a unity in Christ. There's a unity in the spirit. The gifts are from the spirit, from the Lord, from God. One baptism, one salvation. So there's this focus on unity, but then there's an intentional diversity. It's intentional. Just like your body is diverse with diverse parts that make you function as a human, so is the body of Christ. There's an intentional diversity put in place. So look at verse 14. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Right? We're not the duffel pods with one giant foot. We are diverse. Two legs, arms, eyes. That's the whole point. You're one body. It's very important, but diverse. Many parts. Verse 13, for if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, that I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Saying, because I'm not like that person, because I don't have their gifts, their skills, their participation, it doesn't mean you're not part of it. You're just you, right? There's an intentional diversity, right? If, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, because a lot of times we compare ourselves. You ever found that? I'm not like them. I don't pray like they do. I don't have faith like they do. I don't serve like they do. See, that's not the point. You're you. And just because you're not that part doesn't mean you're not any less part of the body of Christ. Okay, he goes on. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? See, the idea, if you only had certain parts, you would be missing something. If you only had one leg and one foot, it would be difficult. All right? If, if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? It's like you need the diverse parts. There's an intentional diversity. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. You see that intentional again? Just like the Spirit gives the gifts, God arranges, he arranged your physical body, and he arranges his spiritual family, the body of Christ, as he chose. He made you how he made you. Just because you're not somebody else doesn't mean you're not any less part of it. You're you. If all were a single member, where would the body be? We need all the parts. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So there's this point that there's an intentional diversity, right? We don't, we don't need all one thing or all another thing. We don't just need someone who teaches. We need people who serve, people who help, people who know how to do all these various things. People who have all their various giftings and personalities. He intentionally did it and brought us together. That's his point. It's an intentional diversity. And then he says diversity must be honored. Diversity must be honored. That's this next section here. The eye 
cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Right? Some of you go, I really don't care for that person that sits next to me in Bible study. I'm sorry. You can't get rid of them. You can find a new seat, but you can't get rid of them, right? There's this idea that you're not important. We don't want you. What role do you play? You can't do that. You can't be getting rid of people. You can't say, I have no need of you. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Right? Things that you think, well, I don't need that. It's important. And those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, right? That's where you wear clothes and underclothes. He's really using the body. There's parts that you don't show people, but you protect them. We honor them, which are more presentable parts, do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. God, again, put it together. Verse 25 is a reason that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If we see each other as absolutely essential, should be here, whether there's, there's uh, something that's not functioning or something that's hurting or something that's difficult, if they're absolutely essential, then we care for one another. I remember years ago we had a family visit the church and they had a, a daughter and she was in a wheelchair, wheelchair dependent. And so it's time to go to children's church and we have ramping over here so we were able to get her to the lower level. But where the children were going downstairs in the far corner, there used to be about four stairs inside. And so they worked her chair up in there. But it was like, there's no way this family can function here with the kid not able to get where the kids go without people like lifting her chair. And they didn't come back and that, you know, that's not a surprise. Because you, know, you can't, Go somewhere where your kid can't get, right? He's like, this just doesn't work. What if there's a fire? What's going to happen to this kid, right? And so I remember Randy, I'm not sure who else was in on it, built a ramp. Like right now, you can get, there's a ramp downstairs inside the building because we don't ever again want a kid to be unable to get there, right? They just saw this, that there's part of the body, there's something limiting there, there's a reason they can't get where they need to get. Let's take care of that because you don't say, well, they just don't work out here. We want to get them in there, right? There is a place, the parts of the body that need greater care. We care for because we need them. We need you. We, we, observe, we have weaknesses. We often learn each other's weaknesses. We know each other's weaknesses. Something that's difficult when this happens or that. And we don't say, let's get rid of you. We say, let's take care of you. Let's care for one another. Let's take the steps to make sure that any person who comes here, regardless of their needs and abilities, can can access entirely everything here because we need one another, because God put us together in this way with our gifts, abilities, disabilities, talents, problems. He says, when I put this body together, the point is so that you would care for each other, so you would value each other, right? If if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And this is where it's beautiful to see people checking on each other, and concerned about one another, or celebrating when something good happens because we're a body. Every believer is from God. Each one of you didn't just wander in here. You're from God. God's putting you here, and not just for your own good, but for the good of each of us. We have something to offer each other. So every spiritual gift and every believer are from God for our good. 
And this whole idea, there's a diverse amount of gifts, and there's a diverse kind of people, and they're intentionally put here, and it's a picture of the gospel. Jesus didn't save just one group of people. Jesus Christ goes to the cross to save people from every tribe and nation and people and race. Heaven is going to be filled with a beautiful variety of people. And I think he says, I want that reflected in my church with different gifts and abilities and nationalities and backgrounds that the gospel's reflected in his church, that Jesus died for the world. It's one of the things that I, I love about our church is this idea that we, we love with grace. It was fun to see greeting again, even though a lot of times that means you don't want to listen to me anymore and you just keep talking. But um, it's just fun to see. One of the things our church has done well over the years is just pull anybody in. Anybody in. No matter your background, no matter your struggles, and just say, come on in here. Come on in here. And I think it's this beautiful picture that everyone is here for a reason so we can care for one another. And there's something that happens when somebody cares about you in your situation, whatever your struggles and challenges are in the moment, you begin to flourish. You begin to become what God wants you to be because you go, somebody's caring about me. Somebody values me. And so you begin to feel good about being a part of the group and God's working in your life and you're working in other people's lives and we flourish when we care about each other. So I want us to have this just amazing sense that every person around you, every person you're going to interact with every time you're here, has gifts from God, is placed here on purpose, and as we care about one another, we will all flourish. We'll all flourish. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this diverse, unique body of believers that you've put here. Give us a great value for one another. Give us an ability to care about one another. It's hard sometimes. We've got all of our own life and struggles and battles happening. Sometimes it's hard to care about each other. Give us an ability to do it. Give us an ability to care for one another when, when there's conflict, when there's personality clash. Lord, I just pray that you would manifest your spirit among us, Lord, that you would gift believers in this body for this season of ministry, whatever it is that you know that we need. That you would gift people with wisdom and faith and, and words of knowledge. And that you would do works of healing among us. That you'd speak among us, Lord. We need your spirit to move. Let us be dependent upon it, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.